They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. Right now, right now I'm losing bets. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. Right now. It's easy to sink when there's nothing to bring me down. But what will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am? They say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good thing, a little faith is all I have right now. God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, oh, give me the strength to be.
figured it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here, no, it was my fault. Um, Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Very good to see you. Special welcome to you if you're new. Good to see you again if you're not. Uh, we're going to. Is there anything I got? Okay. Right. We're going to get started. If you want to stand and worship with us. All right, Father, we're here for you this morning. Uh, we just praise you for this time we have together. Um, for this building, for the heat working this week. Um, so many things to be thankful for. Lord, I pray with everything going on, I'm sure there's a lot of heavy hearts, a lot of people going through stuff right now. I uh, just pray as we're here together, we can um, work on that, forget about it for this little bit of time, just be focused on you, Father. We love you, we praise you. Uh, give us open ears and hearts today to hear hear what you're speaking to us and and help us surrender to you more. Praise you and amen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story. This is my song. Perfect submission. 
Good morning. Good morning. Before you all have a seat, why don't you uh, turn to somebody. No, don't have a seat yet. Before you do, turn around to somebody, give them a uh, big air high five and say, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. All right. couple, you guys can have a seat. couple announcements before uh, we get get started here. Um, first announcement tonight, uh, because of Trail of Treats out at the park, um, if you guys want to help pass out treats, bring the kids, whatever, um, there will be no uh, youth group tonight. Um, so we'll begin again November 1st in person here at church at uh, 6 o'clock, 630. Um, next one is if you're interested, you love helping out with kids, come see me or Brittany. We're looking for some volunteers still. Um, to help not only downstairs with the with the younger ones, but also Sunday nights with the older ones. Um, Operation Christmas Child, 
return your boxes by number 15th. Um, boxes are outside of the sanctuary here. Donation of shipping is $9. Um, so if you're interested, they're out there. Next one is Youth Explosion, exciting time for the high schoolers and middle schoolers. Um, normally it would be a trip that we go to um, somewhere up towards Cleveland area. Um, but with COVID and the pandemic, um, they are doing a, a watch party and they will be streaming it all online on November 14th. So if you have any high schoolers, middle schoolers interested, please see me or call the church office, get them signed up. We will be providing personal pan pizzas for all the participants. Um, and then one last one is our second annual Friends, Friendsgiving that we did last year with the, with the high schoolers. Um, we're extending it to the middle schoolers this year. There is a list of donations outside of the worship center. Um, so if you're interested in donating some items for us, um, we'd appreciate it. And uh, that's all I have. And with that, all the kids, uh, you know, fifth grade and under, we'll take you downstairs. Yeah, some of the kids are, are, have been coming back, and it's been great to see them. Uh, it's been several months, and I've seen a few of them, and they've really grown. I don't know what kind of fertilizer you're putting in the cereal, but, man, it's really just taken off. Good to see those guys. Uh, they grow up, and they become adults, and then uh, they become worship leaders like Brian, because Brian was one of those people at one time. And did you notice that Brian was glowing a little bit? I don't know if you paid attention or not, but uh, Brian is officially getting married on Saturday. So it's, uh, it's, it's been a long time coming because originally they were supposed to get married, I believe, last winter. And then they were going to get married in the spring and then in the summer. And then finally, they're now getting married officially on Halloween, which should be interesting. And for Brian, <laughs> it should be easy to remember he will have no excuses whenever he's told, uh, did you forget our anniversary? But it could be he was so busy trick-or-treating that, you know, he forgot. Um, but anyway, uh, the tricks will be on him if he does forget. Uh, but I'm pretty excited for him and for Surrette. Her parents are here from, uh, from um, uh, Kukata in Columbia. And you may or may not know where that is, but uh, it's in uh, the northern part of South America. Wonderful people, uh, and hopefully uh, uh, we'll get a chance to see them. Uh, if you haven't, haven't met them, they're very gracious. Uh, so he did pretty good in that department. Um, a couple of things I want to mention just as a matter of prayer. Uh, I want to keep uh, a couple of families in our prayers. Uh, one of them is a family of Irene Hirschberger. Uh, Irene passed away last week, and it was, uh, uh, I think, a coming home for her. And the same for Laura McCoy. I know a lot of us have been praying for Laura, and Laura went to be with the Lord the other day. Uh, so there's going to be a funeral here tomorrow for Laura, and then on Tuesday uh, there will be a funeral here uh, for Irene. Um, so it's been kind of bittersweet having uh, a celebration, um, and in some ways, I would, I would say it's a celebration uh, that they are no longer uh, struggling like they have. So uh, with a couple of those things in mind, um, if you have any prayer concerns, uh, please just uh, let us know. We can text, email, 
Um, there is actually a book outside the, the worship center. It's a black notebook, and you can write anything on there. Uh, came to visit, or you can write on there. Uh, I have this prayer concern. Uh, so we're trying to figure out how it is that we can best do these things uh, in a way that everybody can, can engage with um, uh, communication. So with that said, would you uh, go ahead and, and bow with me, and let's take this time before the Lord. Our Father, as we gather uh, around your word, we pray that it would speak to our hearts and that it would help us in the times that unfold uh, in the course of the week and in the course of our lives where we may have the wisdom and the ability uh, to take your word and to process the things that we go through in life uh, in a way that um, it can speak to and guide us. Lord, we thank you that the way of the Lord is the way that you call us to. And I just pray for everyone here that we would be attuned to that way. And maybe there are just some along the way right now that you see on the roadside that you're beckoning and you're saying, come and join me. Come and join me for uh, the blessings that I have in store for you. Come and join me for the hope that I want to give you and for the promises that uh, you and uh, so many people who follow this way will be gathered in the new creation. Father, I just pray that you help me to express the substance of that and, and, and specifically the things we want to look at today regarding that way uh, as we share in your word. And as families are grieving right now, I pray for your comfort to be upon them. And as Weddings are getting ready to happen. I pray that your blessing would be upon uh, everyone involved, that it would be a, a celebration of covenants that, um, that, that last. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, if you've uh, uh, been, been tracking with us, uh, we've been doing a lot of messages that have to do with the journey that we're on in, in this uh, season of 2020. I don't know what to call it. It could be the COVID season. It could be the 2020 season. It could be, yeah, we're coming back to church season, whatever you want to call it. Uh, as we all know, there are struggles that we face. There are challenges that we have, and I'm hoping that God's word can speak to us in a meaningful way, which is kind of what my wife will ask me to do. Uh, when she is surveying the, the health and the well-being of our kids, she will uh, constantly be in tune with uh, what is happening in their world and what issues they have going on, and I think it's just a mother's nature, isn't it? And a lot of times, whenever somehow the issue of God comes up, she's like, you need to go and talk to them about this topic. And it could be a number of things, depending on where they're at. I mean, they, they, are, uh, they, they are mostly adults now. Stephen just turned 20 last week, and I, or not last week, last month, rather. Um, it seems like last week. And, and as he has hit that milestone, I just think, you know, next year's 21. <laughs> is the topic going to be drinking? I don't know. Uh, but my guess is if he was like I was at his age, I would already sampled that and decided I wanted to move on. And perhaps he has as well. But there are many, many things that kids face as they take on the mantle of responsibility in adulthood, notwithstanding all the choices that are out there uh, that my wife has been in tune with. And so typically this is how it works out. Whenever there's something that we need to talk about, and she says, you need to have that discussion with them, 
uh, I'll say, hey, uh, Christian or Mayim or Stephen, let's, let's get on the bikes and let's go to the Greenway Bike Trail and let's go for a ride. And so we load up the bikes, we go there, and little do they know that they are a captive audience for an extended sermon. I mean, you think these sermons last long. Those, you know, you've, I don't know how many miles it is from um, Franklin Square to Lisbon, but I got to think sometimes in these conversations, these kids are like, are we, are we there yet? But actually, truth be told, those conversations have been some of our best because uh, it's just myself and one of the kids, and we're just talking about life and talking about the things that you face in life and the challenges that you have. And a lot of times I'll just relate my own childhood or my own teenage or my own young adult or even my own seemingly older, more mature adult status with their world. And it, it seems to resonate with them in a way that I hope is lasting. And because I'm a pastor, oftentimes uh, a lot of it has to do with the things that we discover in the Bible. But I would like to believe that perhaps if you have children or you have people that you're trying to influence, that you don't have to be a pastor to have those conversations in a way that brings the Bible to bear upon the issues that our kids face as they learn to become adults. But not only that, I hope that you have a place or an opportunity or a venue as a parent, as a grandparent, as just a friend perhaps, to have a discussion, not only with your kids, but people around you in a way that you can begin to relate the Word of God to the things that are in front of you. And I believe by design, that's the way the Word of God is, 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 it has, been, has been called to be a part of your life and mine. Now, this morning, um, I want to go into those conversations as we discover them in the Bible. And as you look at God's people and God's Word, many times God's people are in tune with the Word. But there's a number of occasions in Scripture, more than I, I care to admit, where God's people were saying, we're not interested in God's word, and every time they decided that it wasn't valuable, things began to slide downhill. And we find in Scripture that there are promises that, that, that assure us that if we bring God's word to bear upon our everyday life, we'll be blessed. And Jesus, who came to show us how it is that we live a life that is godly and God-honoring and is wise, had this experience as well. And I want to share something with you about his life as a young adult. Because we know, in fact, he did get to spend time with his, with his father uh, practically three hours every day. Now, how do I know this? It's because there's a little town called Nazareth that Jesus grew up in. And this town was actually sort of a bedroom community to a larger town known as Sephoris or Zipporah. And if I can show just maybe a slide or two on this, um, if we can put that up there. Uh, just if you look at the map, right at the top where you see that, that line pointing is Sephora, and right below it is Nazareth. So you kind of get a sense of where Jesus grew up at. 
And as you just look at that map, you zoom in a little bit and you see this picture. And that is, um, in, the, in the foreground is the modern day city of uh, Nazareth. And um, when you look uh, up, in the, up, up in the distance, you see kind of a block of, of, of greenery there. That is the city of Sephoris. And what's so special about this city? Well, it was a city that Herod had decided was going to be the capital of the region called Galilee. And as a result of that, um, it's sort of like going to Columbus. Have you been to Columbus in the last five, ten years? I mean, my son started at the uh, Ohio State University back in, I don't even remember, 13, 14? And it looked one way, and by the time he graduated, it was a completely different town and it was a town that I really wanted to avoid because it was so intensely populated and under-infrastructured, if that's a word, meaning that it was just the place to go. And if you could compare on the scale and time of Jesus' day, Columbus, to a city that was within uh, a, a decent driving distance of his hometown, it would be that town. Now, why do I mention that? It's because the scripture tells us that Jesus was a technon, which means nothing to you guys, probably, because we don't have that as a trade title. But we often think of Jesus as a carpenter, right? Because his father was a carpenter. But the actual translation of that word technon is craftsman. And a lot of, a lot of scholars believe that Joseph had a job, and it was sort of a construction slash craftsman job in the city of Sephoris. And when his son Jesus came of age, he became a tradesman like his father. And every day they would walk from this town that you see to that town in the backdrop of this, of this image called Sephoris on their way to work. And it would take about an hour and a half, Jesus and his father Joseph, to walk to that city and become, uh, in, in effect, stonemasons who were carving a lot of the intricate stonework that was on display in this town that they were pouring tons and tons of money into. Just a couple other pictures I want to show you so you can get a sense of where we're going with this. At one point, there was a big uh, series of columns for this, for, this, for this roadway in the city, and obviously it doesn't look like much here. But when you're an archaeologist, you look at that and you say, oh, there was a lot going on there. So, so if you don't, don't believe me, just trust them that there was a lot going on there. And then if you go to the next slide, there were all of these mosaics that uh, are still there that you can see that have little stones that are of various colors. Uh, they're not dyed or painted or anything like that. They're just meticulously found in the earth in that area or even imported. And then... Part of the craftsman's job would be to place these in, um, in, 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 in this picturesque design uh, that you see um, in, 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 these, in these different um, depictions here. And one of the depictions that I know Jesus and his father saw every day was how much the Roman culture and that way of life 
the way of life that said that children are of no value and you actually buy rights before they can be, be an adult and, and it's kind of graduated, you can actually abandon them. Did you know that in the Roman culture? You don't like that kid? You just leave them. Now, I'm not trying to traumatize any kids here, uh, you know, and sometimes I've told my kids, you keep acting up, we're going to leave you here. But then, I, you know, I feel tempted to say, but not like the Romans, so you're okay. And there's so much about the Roman culture that was debauched, and one of the, one of the little frescoes that you had was a drinking contest, and the other one was uh, orgies, and the other ones were all of the depictions of the decadence of the Roman way of life. But in order to be gainfully employed, Joseph had to go to this city so that he could earn a living for his family. And he brought Jesus along with him. Now, my question is, what do you think those conversations were like that Jesus and Joseph had? Because we know Jesus was one of us, and he grew in wisdom and in stature, the scripture tells us, meaning that there was a developmental process happening inside of him that enabled him to be able to understand the things of God. And Joseph actually played a key role in that. And the conversations that they had were probably kind of like the bike rides that I've had with my kids, talking about life and all manner of topics that you face and deal with, but one of the topics I believe that they considered on a daily basis was the discussion of what the, what the Jewish people called the Torah, the Old Testament. And as they discussed it, it was, how do we apply this? And the reason why I know that is because there has been a, a ritual, a daily ritual in the lives of the people that are, um, that, that are Jewish, and especially in Jesus' day, to the present. And the repeating of something called the Shema. Not a common word, is it? But the Shema is uh, a, a, a recitation of an important passage from the Old Testament. And it, and it goes like this. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And the word Shema means hear in Hebrew. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And this is something that people recited every day, this passage of Scripture and a couple of others, but this is the main one. And the reason why they recited it, it was a daily reminder that the importance of the Word of God as a guide for life and as a source of wisdom could not be impressed enough on the minds and the hearts of God's people. And I know a lot of us, when we think about God's Word, we know we associate it with the Bible, and we go through uh, periods of time, don't we, where we spend a lot of time in the Bible, and then we kind of have those seasons where it's kind of dry. And I think that's a wonderful thing, because you're supposed to meditate on the Bible based on this. One of the 
I mean, my kids aren't perfect by any stretch. Um, I'm not perfect. But what I've tried to do is just give them some guidance, and hopefully as a pastor, they see enough of what they're hearing about the Bible active in my life that they're like, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to go. And I can honestly say, if you ask my kids, they would tell you that they are Christians. But what I want to what I, what I share is, as they were growing up, I had them memorize Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 talks about, um, you know, blessed is the man who does not walk in the, walk in the way of sinners or uh, stand in the way of scoffers or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on that law he meditates day and night. And the reason I wanted them to read that is because I wanted them to just have that same impression in their own thinking that the Word of God is a critical part of our daily life. And that word meditate there doesn't mean that you sit in the lotus position with your fingers like that and you just kind of clear your mind. But rather, it is an interesting word called Hagah in the Hebrew. And that's probably more Hebrew than you ever wanted to know. But the reason why I mention that word is because it's an interesting word that has a very earthy sense about it. And it means to moan or to coo or to growl or to ponder. And in Isaiah, I think it is in Isaiah 31... It says, as a lion growls over its prey, and he goes on to talk about how God is just constantly thinking about you and I. But why does he use the word growl? Well, because I remembered my anniversary this year, because believe it or not, I forgot it one year, and I'm still getting trauma counseling from that. So I know, and what I did this year was I thought, well, I, I, I don't know what to do because last year was such an incredible year for uh, just a, a trip that we're planning. But I thought, you know what? My wife is really into these zoo shows while COVID is going on. I don't know what your go-to jam is as far as Netflix or anything like that, but hers is zoo shows on Disney. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to get her tickets to all the zoos in the area. So the Akron Zoo, the Cleveland Zoo, the Columbus Zoo, and the Pittsburgh Zoo. Only thing is, I couldn't get tickets for, uh, for two of them, so she got two out of two. And I said, well, so we'll work on the others. But she was thrilled. So I went to the Cleveland Zoo, and it was Halloween, and they were doing Halloween things for kids in the Australian section of the zoo. So I said, let's go way over there in the Asian section of the zoo where they're showing all the exotic animals from there because there aren't a lot of people there. So we went up there and they had just fed the lions. And we went around some more and looked at a few more things. We came back and no one was up there. And there was this, well, I guess it was more like a, uh, uh, maybe a, a Bengal tiger. And he was sitting there right in front of us growling. And I'm like, oh, Mandy, that is so cool. He's just sitting there growling, and you're just kind of roaring and growling. And it was just her and I just soaking it in, and I kept getting my camera out to do it, and then it would stop. And then I'd put my, my phone away, and then it would start again. I'm like, holy cow. So I, but I didn't have a lot of batteries, so I kept trying to get it, and I missed it. So I'm not making this up. But 
what was so cool about it was I didn't realize what that growl was all about until I read this passage. And what it was, that lion had just eaten and was deeply, deeply satisfied because of that wonderful meal that it just had. Now, it's great, isn't it, when somebody just gives you the food, kind of like our kids during COVID, we just give them food, and they're like, we'll just take it. But when we kicked them out the door, I'm like, you're on your own now. But in the, in the regions that the lion's natural habitat um, would be, a lion would have to, they would have to stalk, they'd have to hunt, they'd have to kill, and then they'd, of course, have to do that thing that you do whenever you are ready to eat. And all that work that went into that process of just having a meal, they would growl at the end, like, I am so satisfied in the effort that I put into this and the result that happened, and now it is so worth it. And the reason why the word meditate, I think, is associated with Haggah is because there's some work that goes into the Word of God. You have to spend some time in it so that it can begin to become, be a part of who you are. And Christians, I can tell you right now, we're living in such a confusing moment that if we do not have a close connection with the Word of God, we're going to be as disoriented as the next person. But if we're allowing the Word of God to saturate our being in a way that we're thinking about how it relates to what we're going through constantly, then I think we'll keep our bearings, we'll keep our presence of mind. We'll actually be a stable core in a very unstable world. But, you know, it's all well and good to read the Bible and to meditate on it and to think about it. But there's one step that I think is missing here. And it's a step that I just described to you in a couple of ways. And it was a step that Jesus and his father took, literally. Because they took the experience of engaging with the Word of God in their thought life and they translated that into conversation. They began to discuss with each other what this means. Uh, the other day, I had a conversation with Rich. And Rich opened up his Bible. And, and if you know Rich, you know that's a pretty automatic default thing for him, which I really admire and want to imitate. And we had a conversation, and we just started weaving the Scripture into it and applying it to, to life. And it was that one facet of engaging with the Bible that I think we miss a lot. That we tend to stop, don't we, with our Bible app or our daily reading, and we compartmentalize that experience as church, and now I've got to go do my work. But if you read these words carefully, you discover that they are designed to apply not just at church, not just in that little time you might spend with the Lord in the morning, they actually are designed to have bearing on every decision that you make. Now, as I'm saying that, it seems overwhelming, doesn't it? But the one thing that I do know is 
a lot of times I don't even know what my ideas are. Do you ever have this experience? You don't really know what your thoughts are inside of you until you start talking to somebody, and then it begins to sort of come out. You ever had that, Rich, where as you're, as you're talking, you're like, yeah, now I've got language for that thing I knew that was in there, and that was so helpful. And I honestly believe, because we are living in a pretty crisis moment where we have been shaken to the foundation, that we not only need to spend time meditating on God's Word privately, but we also have to, and I underscore that, have to be thinking about ways that we are allowing that Bible experience to flow into our conversations with people around us. And maybe you're thinking, well, I could never be as good as you, Pastor, because, you know, that's your stock and trade. And nobody's saying that you have to be, you know, a professional person in the Bible. What the, what the Scripture is saying is you just have to be a persistent engager with the things of God. And you have to be a consistent dialoguer the people around you. And some of you may be saying, you've probably gone too far here, Pastor. I'm going to start checking out. Why? Because how many of us have had those people say something critical about us, and then they start quoting the Bible? You know, it's sort of like they weaponize it against us. And don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place for those carefully prayerful, speak-the-truth-and-love conversations. But most of the time that I've seen the Bible quoted like that, it's been just somebody trying to get the better of another person, trying to weaponize it. And I don't believe that was the intent. But there's so many other ways that the Bible can bring wisdom to bear upon the life that we live. Because we're sort of living in a truth and, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it, way of life blender. I don't know how else to, to say it. There are so many different ideas floating around out there that are so contradictory, so polarizing, and so argumentative. A lot of people just feel like, I don't even know what to think anymore. And I would like to help whoever is feeling that, like I feel it sometimes, to stay grounded in the Word of God in a way that we can say that no matter what, I think I kind of know how to think about this. That as I've been reading God's Word, and the thing about God's Word, it is living, it is active, it is sharper than a double-edged sword. And when the Bible says that about itself, what it's saying is, it's not like any other book. That when you pick it up and you read it, God somehow finds a way to allow his voice to come through in it. And I can't tell you how uncanny that is because many, many times it has a lot to do with what I'm going through in the moment. And sometimes, like when I'm having those critical conversations with my kids, God's helping me to remember some things that I read and I can say them and 
a lot of times they're like, yeah, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. And if as a church, our goal is to follow Jesus, and I think one of the best ways to start is to just begin having conversations with people close to us that are non-agenda-oriented, non-weaponized, but just with the intent of building up and providing light on dark situations so that we can grow together. And I'd like to call you into a relationship, not only with Jesus, but with the words of Jesus as we find them in Scripture. And in that experience, you find yourself increasingly anchored in something that is way different than the things out there. And as I close, one of my questions is, what have been some of those anchor experiences that you've been able to have with other people? I mean, for me, the bike ride on the Greenway Trail, that's an anchor experience. I think the kids probably know by now the secret's kind of out. Oh, we're going for a bike ride. I wonder what's up. But I think they've come to experience that in such a positive light that they relish it rather than recoil from it. And maybe you're skittish about the Word of God. Don't be. Because it is designed to sort of lay us bare. It, it, it truly can be intimidating. But the only reason why it does that is so that it can heal us. So that it can call out those things inside of us that are not right, that are not in order, that we know in our very bones are not supposed to be there. There's a part of us that doesn't want to hear it. Our spirit says, as we hear it, and it kind of opens me up, it also heals us. And it makes us a new kind of person. And I just want to invite you into that relationship with the Word and with the one who is behind the Word that has spoken, our Lord Jesus. And maybe those two things have not really been a part of your thought process in any way. Or maybe there's a part of you that says, Pastor, I know that is what I need right now in these times. And we just want to offer that to you in a, in a way that's profound and transforming so that whatever is happening out there isn't going to be so disruptive to the things that are happening in here. When Jesus calls us to a way it means to turn away from our way and our thinking and our agenda to his way and his thinking and his, I don't even want to use the word agenda, his deep heart desire to see us made new, to see us redeemed, to see us called out of addictions and things that would bind us and lock us down and shut us down to things that would free us to live life and a life of 
blessing in him. So as I end, end this message, however God is prompting you, if it's to have a conversation with myself right at the end of this message or um, after service or this week, uh, want to have a conversation with one of our people that you know and you, you trust, please just act on that impulse that God is nudging you towards. God's doing a lot of work during this season, and some of that work may just very well be happening in your heart as it has been in mine. Would you bow with me as we take the, this to him and ourselves before him? Lord, we thank you that your word is living and active, and it is like a double-edged sword. It opens up and it lays bare, but then it heals and mends our wounds, and it begins to shape Christ inside of us, and I thank you for that. I thank you that you give us a word to ponder and to meditate on and to growl over, and I thank you that you give us people in our lives that we can we can grow from the conversations that we have with them, whether we are just talking to another believer or we are talking to our own children. We thank you, Father, for working in our minds through your word to be able to have your words for every situation. Father, just make that come alive in every heart here. Help us to see what it is, what it is that's so significant about those trips that Jesus and Joseph took to Sephoris. Help us to follow that way and to discover in you a, a new way of life. I pray for everyone here and the people that are online today that we could discover that if we haven't. So I lift all of these up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, learning how to play the game here, sorry. Um, I, I do want to recognize Brian, too. A few of us have been trying to give him some pointers on marriage. Um, it's a short book. It's simply, yes, dear. Um, I want to have a little bit of fun here before we go into communion. Um, even though communion is a fun time also as we rejoice in what Christ has done for us. And... What I want to do is I, I want to have you repeat back to me, if you will. I'm a sinner, a sinner. but Jesus loves me. But Jesus loves me. I, am a sinner, I am a sinner, but Jesus loves me. What more blessing can we have than the love of a father? Go on a regular basis, we disappoint, we disagree with, we run in contrast to, we do things that are unacceptable and we know are unacceptable, but he continues to love us. He continues to shower us with blessings, with opportunities, 
and abilities. In and through Christ, all things are possible for us. Without him, nothing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you have provided for us. The message from Leonard to guide and direct us, to provide to us the knowledge that we need as we continue to follow you. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to come together at this table, to share in the elements, each with a meaning and a significance that we know so well through your crucifixion. Father, as we partake, we ask that they would renew our spirits, enlighten us, send us forth to witness and to share with others what Jesus means to us. May we show through our actions, because our actions speak, we know, much louder than words. We thank you for your word, for our understanding, and for the meaning it gives to our lives as we live our lives to glorify you. These things we ask and pray for your blessed name. Amen.
And I'm a breaking Oh God, you're near You're near Oh God You never leave my
in the midst of our lowest, in the midst of our wandering, you leave the sheep to go. You leave the 99 to go after the lost. But we thank you for that because the one is not expendable. All of those who are yours, you love to the end. What greater news is there that we have met you and we will never cease to be with you because of you. So we wonder, we get lost, but yours is the grip that counts because you will never lose any of us who are yours. So may you do the work of those of us who are not yours and take us into your hand where we will never escape your grasp. As much as we wonder, you will bring us back. You will restore us. You will help us to persevere. You will grant us safety, security, and eternity. If you begin with us, you will end with us. Help us to breathe and praise you and love you and seek you and find you. And it's for your wonderful and perfect name we pray. Amen. All right. We love you. We'll see you soon. Uh, Trail of Treats tonight, uh, 6 to 8 at Memorial Park. Bring your kiddos. Go get your kiddos. We'll see you soon. <laughs>